shot and a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Staden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, and it sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Sadich plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in! Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Hervé there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in! Donovan Vines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it! Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions! Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hendo. Welcome into the seventh episode of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. I'm Brendan Hartlove, joined once again by Tom Hendel in the studio. Tom, welcome back. It's great to be here. And so uh, some, some breaking news that we need to start with. Uh, on Wednesday night, both yours and my uh, intramural co-ed team <laughs> won the title. So uh, congratulations again. Um, and it doesn't matter that mine was in the A bracket, yours was in the C bracket. You know, you it know, doesn't you know, really you know, make a difference. You know what does matter, Brendan, is that a ragtag group <laughs> of global communities, a mixture of abilities, uh-huh. came together and made an unprecedented playoff run winning three penalty shootouts, which considering an Englishman was captaining the side <laughs> really shouldn't have happened. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, but, no, that, that's fair. I mean, but you guys didn't go undefeated 7-0 and in a plus 24 goal differential like we did. But it doesn't matter. Okay. Anyways, it was two wins for us on Wednesday night, and it was two wins for Maryland in the past week. Look at that segue right there. Love that. Um, and so the Terps are back in the top 25. We're going to recap the games against Rutgers last Wednesday, Cal State Fullerton Saturday night. Then we have an interview coming up with uh, Maryland midfielder slash defender Nick Richardson. A um, lot to talk to him about, about kind of having to be injured in his freshman season, how difficult that was growing up on his family's 100-plus-year-old farm, um, and, and lots, lots more uh, there coming up. And then we will preview after that the games against Michigan State, which will be kicking off tonight in East Lansing. And then Georgetown back at home at Ludwig on Sasha's birthday, Monday night. Happy birthday, Sasha. Happy birthday, Sasha. So um, we're going to try to keep this as brief as we can because it is a pretty long interview with Nick Richardson. So we're going to get right into it uh, and start with the game against Rutgers. Now, uh, first impressions, it was unreasonably hot that night. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely unacceptable. I know Joe and I were complaining about it uh, the the day before, I think, on the last podcast. But it was also Pride Night. That's something Maryland has been doing after uh, Robbie Rogers, former Maryland player, uh, became the first openly gay male athlete in American sports, not just soccer, um, back when he joined the LA Galaxy in 2013. So that's something they've done uh, the past several years now. And it was also the first uh, instance, the first game that we saw the the light show on display. We talked about several times the new LED lights installed at Ludwig Field. And so we had the flashing of the floodlights up top and then the lights on the poles themselves uh, can light up and change colors as well. So throughout the entirety of the game, that was kind of flashing in the rainbow was part of Pride Night. 
So the Terps started in a 3-5-2. Uh, just a quick rundown of what was important there. Nick Richardson was actually one of those players in the back three. Um, David Kovacic was paired with Eli Cronali in the center of midfield. And then a late scratch, uh, literally right before kickoff, Brian Padilla went down with a knee injury in warm-ups. That's all we were told going into the broadcast is that Padilla was now out. Justin Geelan was coming in for him. Luke Brown slid back in the midfield. That's all we knew. Um, but not to kind of give too much away, but we did find out that it was actually a torn ACL for Brian Padilla as the second torn ACL on the team this season after Paul Bins on the first day of preseason. And so it looks like Brian Padilla will have his season shut down uh, for yeah. for the rest of the year. And it's a shame because he was doing so well. But we'll touch on that a little bit more later. But that's kind of where we were going into the game. We were sweaty. We were prideful. We were <laughs> uh, we were watching flashing lights. And uh, Brian Padilla tore his ACL. So Mixed emotions. Uh, mixed emotions, to say the least. Um, but not too much happened in the first half of the game. Maryland did have eight shots to Rutgers four, but only one of those eight shots was on target. So nothing too threatening in Again, we're trying to fast forward a little bit. So halftime, nil-nil, teams go into the locker room, kind of have to regroup. Now, the deadlock was broken in the 57th minute. A shot from fresh, freshman Justin Harris kind of ricocheted into the path of Eric Matsilevich, uh, who he was kind of on the right side of the box, very calmly composed, slotted at home uh, for his third goal of the season, and the Terps led one nothing. Terrific finish from the big man. It was, and I mean, you're starting to see that kind of confidence come through more and more, and he was very, very lively in that game. So Rutgers did equalize in the 64th minute, and kind of the momentum shifted once again. It was a long ball to Pablo Avila, who slotted past Nicholas Newman. Not too much Newman probably could have done there. You can really scrutinize if you want, but it's nothing that needs to really have too much attention drawn to it um but then in this uh, just literally moments later a long throw in for maryland found full atatola who is really kind of coming into his own a little bit he's a senior yeah. but had not played a single minute up until this year but he's kind of been a spark off the bench so um he kind of held up the ball in the box laid it off to david kovacic who first timed it into the net for the freshman's first career goal and again, with each goal celebration, we had Eric's in the first or a little bit earlier. And then uh, David's, the lights are flashing at Ludwig. And it kind of had a, a nice, is gravitas the right word? I think it might be a okay. proper atmosphere. Uh, I don't think I've ever said that word before in my life, but it's a good time to start. So You should keep um, using it. It suits you. I think I will. Um, so you have that goal from Kovacic, Maryland back in the lead. And then in the 86th minute, a failed clear clearance. Chris Rindolph, who is a walk-on but has seen some minutes across the back line as a substitute, headed back across the goal. And who else but David Kovacic was there on the back post of volleyed in for his second goal of the night and his second career goal. And the Terps go on to win 3-1. to one. So it was kind of a breakout game for David Kovacic. We've seen him get a lot of attempts on goal and just none of them really gone his way just yet. Um, but talking to him after the game, he did his first media interviews, and he's from Slovenia. His English isn't fantastic, but he made one point very clear is that he dedicated those goals and the team's performance to Brian Padilla, who we did find out after the game had torn his ACL. So we didn't quite understand all the emotions that were going through the coaching staff and the team out on the field until afterwards, but it was pretty clear that it was quite impactful. Yeah, I mean, 
you you hate to see those kind of injuries, especially for Maryland. You know, you've you've had a lot of knocks, a lot of kind of difficult moments this season, and then when one of your best players, arguably your best on the season, goes down with something like that, it's really got to take a hit. But full credit to the Terps, to be honest. I think those those emotions could have possibly played a role in the first half. You can imagine Eric Matalevich just being the kind of guy who wants to settle things down, and he was taking shot after shot after shot. And I think maybe that could have played into that attitude. But to be honest, you know, they came together, and um, it, it was a win of character. And I think Sash pointed that out in his post-game post game interview he said uh despite the fact that there were a lot of heavy hearts mm-hmm. before the game he really felt that the team came together yeah and it was kind of interesting because like i said we had no idea before the game that this injury to brian padilla was so serious we thought oh he just kind of tweaked something he's being held out so be it um we didn't understand that and it was pretty it was we weren't able to tell that the team was feeling that emotional during the game and everything because they played so well together and didn't really kind of let that get the get the better of them. So, yeah, Brian Padilla down with a torn ACL. We wait, we had to wait a little while for the confirmation, but we have yeah. since gotten that, and it was, I think, we kind of knew when it happened. Um, so, Maryland picks up uh, first conference win of the season against Rutgers, um, and it was a pretty convincing performance. Now they went back to non-conference play for the game Saturday night. And if you listen to the podcast, you know that was kind of a weird scheduling week with the Wednesday, then Saturday. But the number 14 team in the nation comes to town in uh, Cal State Fullerton. Uh, they also brought much better weather with them. It was it was crisp, a crisp fall evening. Can we, can we just point out the irony of the California team yeah, coming no. and it being very, very Maryland, East Coast, nay, English weather, to yeah. be honest, except it wasn't freezing Rain. and rainy. Yeah. So scratch that. <laughs> so the Terps started in a 4-3-3 formation. We saw them switch a few times against Rutgers Wednesday. Sasha said he's not married to one system per se. Um, so they did come back out in the 4-3-3. And Malcolm Johnson, who was serving a red card suspension Wednesday night against Rutgers, came back into the lineup but came back in as the central attacking midfielder, which is kind of that number 10 role, role that Brian Padilla was playing a little bit of. And Sasha said that he thinks – the number 10 might be Johnson's best position. So he was able to get the start there uh, against Cal State Fullerton. So he did play a pretty significant role in the game. Fast forwarding to the 21st minute, um, Johnston gets shoved from behind in the box, goes down and draws the penalty kick. Stonewall penalty, to there, be honest. There was I no mean, question about it. That was, that, was a, that was a clear one. Yeah, uh, there really wasn't much debate uh, surrounding that. And so it was Eli Cornelli that stepped up to take the penalty kick. Now, Maryland's only had, and I said it on the broadcast, has only had one so far this season. And the center back, Johannes Bergman, took it. And he's not your kind of stereotypical center back that can't use his feet. Very technically sound, but he had that PK saved. So now we see Eli Cornelli step up, beautifully slotted into the side netting on the left-hand side. And he picks up his first goal of the season, only the second goal of his career, and Maryland has a one nothing lead. And you wouldn't have known that it was only his the second of his match. The confidence was oh, incredible. Yeah. Just absolutely whacked it in. Terrific penalty. And so uh, only about two-ish minutes later, Cronelli again having an influence, and it was a set piece from the far side, a free kick that was sent into the box. It kind of bounced around. Cal State Fullerton couldn't quite clear it, and then Malcolm Johnson was there to follow up and tucked it in. It looked like it might almost get cleared off the line, but the defender ricocheted it into the side netting. So Johnson picks up his second goal 
of his freshman campaign on his game back from the red card suspension, and now the Terps lead 2 nothing. Yeah, I mean, a, a, another really good delivery from Crognali. you kind of seen that, as I pointed out in the little tactical analysis I wrote, actually. His deliveries were excellent all evening, and that one was just in such an awkward spot. And then credit to Johnston for being opportunistic. He did exactly what he had to do. Wasn't necessarily the prettiest of goals, but you know what? You're playing the 14th ranked team in the nation. Don't complain how you get them. And so literally with seconds left on the clock before halftime, Nicholas Newman is called into action, and we've seen him start over the past several games. Now again, Sash not exactly saying he's committing to one starting goalkeeper just yet, but we have seen Newman over the past few games and from our kind of speculative perspective you have to think it's it's Newman's job to lose for the time being so uh, he made a very nice save down low to his right hand side as time expired so Maryland goes into the locker room up to nothing and that was their I guess kind of the the second half in a row where they've scored multiple goals. So they had three in the second half against Rutgers, then two in the first half against Cal State Fullerton. So not too much happened in the second half of that game. Um, kind of towards the end of the first half, there was a bit of a skirmish uh, between Eric Matzlevich and <laughs> one of the – I've, I've kind of run out of things to – I believe I called it a kerfuffle or something on That's the broadcast. That's a good one. Um, That's a good one. Uh, I think Ben Curtis called it a brouhaha. Even. <laughs> um, but it was just kind of a, a – there was a tangle of legs going to ground and uh, tempers flare just a little bit and Matzlevich was shoved to the ground. So several yellow cards were brought out in that instance. They went to video review. But uh, – we, we, they just kind of went on after that. Nothing I, really came of it. I love the college equivalent of VAR, by the way. Just sort of ran over it's to the table. Yeah, just track, ran yeah. over to the table. And to be fair, though, very diplomatic from the ref. Could have oh, easily yeah. given out a red card, maybe two, but just sort of said, calm down, ladies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, after that, uh, Newman makes the save. Uh, not much happens in the second half, and the Terps go on to close it out, win 2 nothing and pick up their second win in a second win in a row over a ranked non-conference opponent which sounds very long-winded but I guess kind of means something a little it bit. It absolutely does. Um and so I was this is when I was going to kind of plug your tactical analysis article because in that entire game Eli Cronalli was the best player on the pitch by far. Terrific. He was he was absolutely brilliant and obviously I have a bit of a soft spot for center mids. Um <laughs> But no, I mean he. You'd seen you'd seen uh, Crignali kind of struggle on and off, few injuries, and you know seen him miss a couple of practices here and there, just recovering from various knocks. But you you wouldn't have known that he he'd missed a few games here and there. He just played like a, a proper dominant number eight, you know that box to box midfielder. Mm-hmm. And I kind of pointed out in my article that his whole influence could have really or was encapsulated in about the three minutes between the two Maryland goals, yeah. just putting his foot on the ball, playing passes, just everything from like uh, turning turning away from his own goal so as to not give the ball away in a difficult situation, uh, really good crosses from corners, smart pressing. He he was everywhere, and it's it's terrific when you can have that magisterial center midfielder who's going to just be there for you, hold the team together, and make plays. And so... Uh, there you go, Maryland, again, picking up that win. And so before we go on to preview the games against Michigan State and Georgetown, 
as we have and has kind of been the format for all of our podcasts. We're now going to have our interview here, and this is with Nick Richardson, who, uh, if you don't know too much about him, he was injured last year, his freshman season. He redshirted. He'll talk kind of about what that was and what that felt like, but he was moved from a, a defender's role into the midfield in the spring and has really excelled there for the Terps this season. So right now we will go to our interview with Maryland midfielder Nick Richardson. So I'm now joined by Maryland midfielder, defender, utility man, Nick Richardson. Um, Nick, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Yeah, it's good to be here. So we'll get started kind of with uh, your time growing up. Again, you're a local guy. We've had several local guys on so far. Um, Just kind of take me through the process of when you were playing as a little kid and then Celtic and now taking the field at Ludwig. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really started locally kind of with a bunch of guys that I grew up with at a team called Fuster. It was kind of a small team. We only really had 17 people throughout like five age groups growing up. So we had like a very big core of people that would never like switch teams or like trade against each other and try to like go to a better team. Cause I don't know why, but we were always just the best team around. Mm. We played like a really possession, possession style soccer and so, like, growing up, that's kind of, like, the way I learned from my coach. And that's, like, kind of the guys that I grew up with my whole life. So I still know them, like, to this day. And a lot of those kids played on Celtic as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess I really grew up with a core group of guys playing with. So I really didn't have a huge horizon of, like, other guys to play with. And my spectrum was, like, kind of small. So then I around think it was U16 we switched to Celtic uh Barry Stitch was my coach my whole life um big shout out to him he's like grown me into the player I am today kind of like the person I am today because that's why he convinced me to go to Archbishop Curley as well for high school soccer and like the core values there were also the same that like he believed in and he wanted to teach me my whole life so with Celtic I mean it was kind of like the same thing we still had like that same core of guys I played with my whole life I probably knew them and how they would play better than anybody else would ever and they know how I play still to this day Uh, we got matched up with Brandon Knapp last week and that's one of the guys I played with for eight years nine years straight and like just like watching him play I was like wow (laughs) this is still the exact same that we grew up with it was crazy but uh, at Celtic I mean I kind of like really developed into the player I was because that I would say at that time, that took me to the next level. Uh, we started picking up a lot of guys that were high-level people, high-level um, players. They brought the best to practice. I mean, practice was always intense. I mean, we were really a core group of players that really all wanted to go to the next level. And it kind of shows that out of that team, I think we had seven guys go to high-level D1. Wow. And they're all playing and doing great things right now. Um, also, during that time, I thought high school really challenged me as well. I was playing against uh, guys that have come here in the past. Like Connor Smith was a senior when I was a freshman. So that and like guys like Kale Thorne and Mike DeShields that are at Clemson and Wake Forest right now, both starting, mm-hmm. which really taught me a lot of stuff about how I'm gonna have to use like my development and my skill and my height and my size all to my advantage. And especially at this level right here, it's so physical and it's so mental. So I would definitely give high school a big shout out for like teaching me that some of that and then Celtic again with like 
uh, traveling to different places was awesome. I mean, going and winning back-to-back -back national championships. Yeah. Unfortunately, my injury like stopped me from traveling to the second national championship. But I mean, it was a great experience. I love those guys. I still love them to this day, and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to play with them. So you talked about some of the guys you've already played against from growing up. Is there anybody still left on the schedule that you're gonna that you know um, from growing Penn up? State. Penn, Penn State. Penn State. Yeah. Who do you uh, have there? Andrew Privet. Okay. Uh, I kind of played with him like the last two years, but still, he's good quality player, yeah. and uh, it's gonna be fun to see how he plays against us. So you kind of talked about that injury holding you out of that second national championship. That's the same injury you came into. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of what what was that injury? Kind of what happened? In, in that case so it was like actually a really freak accident mm -hmm. so i was going up for a header against a goalie and the goalie was he was a bigger guy probably like six four, two hundred, and we both went up in the air and uh he went up like as a goalie usually does like protects himself put his knee out and my knee went straight into his and like i don't know how like but it generated enough force to partially tear my pcl oh my which is like a crazy freak accident because yeah. we were in the air and there's like nothing to stop my knee i would say like yeah. there's nothing to really stop it so like it could just sway or something i don't know but like somehow it created enough force and i like i just like landed down and i was like wow like this is the worst pain i've ever felt and like yeah. i couldn't stand up and then like so i like, kind of like sat on the ground for a little bit and then stumbled over the bench and then i went back in because like i was like I need to like this can't be happening. Like yeah. I was still like adrenaline, like I in denial. I, yeah, bit, I was like, wow, this I can't believe I just like tore something. And then I went back in. I was like, I can't run. Like, wow. and I was like, it actually happened. Like, I did something to my knee and uh, took a few days, and we had to go back to Maryland before I like actually knew what happened. So I got my MRI like a week after. So I really didn't know what happened. It was just a lot of swelling. I couldn't really walk. I couldn't really do anything. So when I found out, it was like a week and a half later, and I was gutted. It really sucked. I mean, the doctor told me right away it would be at least three months to four months, and there was wow. nothing I could really do. There was no surgery. It was just a lot of ice and rest. So, like, I mean, it, it didn't look as if I was injured, but, like, inside it, like, really sucked because I, like, couldn't really walk. I couldn't really run. I couldn't do anything. Like. Yeah. Because even, like, in the summer when you want to do a lot with your friends, that was, like, the last time, last month I had of oh summer. So, and then telling Sash was hard. It sucked. I mean, it's, like, nothing I wish on anybody else. Like, even Brian and uh, Paul been oh, out right yeah. now, I hate to, like, see it. Like, I know what they're going through. It's, like, the worst feeling that you can't really do anything about it. But uh, I would say maybe a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to, like come in here I couldn't really connect with the guys like on the field in a way because I mean a lot of your connections yeah. that you make <laughs> a lot of your connections that you make on a team are like throughout on the field so I guess that really took a took a little while for me to like express myself in a way that was different than on the field so I had to like go out in other opportunities and other ways to like try to get to know people and fit in I mean it's tough coming in as a freshman in a huge program where there's like a culture that's already built so I mean, I had to find ways to try to, like, communicate with people, get to know people. And then when I come back, I, I want to be the best I can, but I don't know how people play already. So watching and observing and, like, asking questions and observing people that are in my position right now was a big key. I mean, I thank the guys for, like, 
making me fit in <laughs> last year that was an unbelievable culture of people unbelievable leaders and I would still call everybody on that team friends today and I will probably for the rest of my life and so you kind of talk about watching and observing well the season you were watching and observing was a national championship season yeah and so I'm sure it's pretty tough. Obviously, you're excited, but yeah. at the same time, you're watching from the sidelines. Kind of yeah. what was that as maybe the postseason went on that you're like, man, I'd love to be out there. Yeah, so I was actually cleared at the end of October, early November okay. to like fully play, which is a really tough position because the season, the regular season's over. Mm -hmm. You only have the Big Ten tournament mm -hmm. and the NCAA tournament. And at that time, we were... We didn't really look like we were definitely getting to the NCAA tournament. So if we maybe would have lost in the first round of Big Ten and I played a few minutes, that would have like killed my whole eligibility. Yeah. So it was a really tough decision. I mean, watching it, I wanted to be on the field so bad. Practicing, I wanted to be on the field at all times. Uh, I wanted to be like trying to earn my spot. But looking back at it now, it was a very good decision. Uh, I thought I developed into a much better player. Like kind of holding out just so I didn't get hurt again because the risk was still there and I would play I had to play with the knee brace which really sucked that was probably the worst thing about it <laughs> it limits you so much but uh looking back at it it was a great decision it was a tough tough time to go through I mean you just sit there and think about it all the time there's not really like a second thought of you like I want to hold out to the next year just so this like you don't really think of that like even though people tell you it's tough to the gut but it was a good decision when I look back at it now and so now you're in this season you're you're starting things mm -hmm. are are better um now when I was talking to Sash he said you were correct me if I have this wrong recruited as a center back but was going to be moved to right back but now you're playing in the holding midfield and every time he's like yeah he's as versatile as Andrew Samuels because Andrew played in a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the same positions so what was kind of the the change from kind of the defender role to being put into the midfield in the spring what was that kind of process tactically and yeah so when i came back for the fall season last year i was playing right back behind ben and like kind of like getting tips and pointers all at right back mm -hmm. i mean sash talked to me a little bit about playing the six in the spring but not really much so i wasn't looking forward to it i would say so then in the spring it was really brought up and like i kind of started right away at the six and i didn't really know much but i would say eli was a great example of how to play the six and he still is to this day i learn something new every day he helps me through pretty much everything um also i would give a big shout out and thank you to Vinny. he was probably one of the most technical players we've ever played with and spacing and comfortable and like just flat out playing like a style he definitely had a big influence on like this spring when we were playing a lot of like just small sided and getting more comfortable in the ball learning how to like cover spacing and switch the ball like all kinds of stuff just little stuff uh, i would thank for him and it was kind of a tough switch like it's a whole new look. Oh, yeah. Like you're playing with the back, you're back to the goal. You're defending more into like a little spacing and switching off men. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it was a tough transition. It still is tough to this day. I'm still learning a lot. I would say I'm not like a full <laughs> six yet. I'm still like kind of getting my feet wet and like transforming into the player that I think I can be there. I really like it. I think I can possibly take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'd stay, I still have a lot to learn, and I'm really hoping to learn a lot this year.
Well, you're doing a great job so far <laughs> yeah. this season, and you can kind of see that with the chemistry between you and Eli or yeah. you and David or whoever might be in there. So we'll kind of move off the field a little bit now. Um, your family has a farm in Maryland, and yeah. that's pretty much all I know. What what is that? What what is the what do you guys just explain that? I don't so know what else to ask. My family has had a farm for probably close to a hundred years. I'm a fifth generation. Oh my so goodness. it's been around for a long, long time. Where in Maryland? White Marsh, Maryland. Okay. It's like right off ninety five. Yeah. So I kinda I grow up I've grown up on the farm. I live on the farm. My dad is a farmer, just a flat out farmer. That's all he does. <laughs> He's amazing. I like I've learned so much from him. He knows everything about everything. Um and we also have a store. It's kinda like a grocery store that has everything. Hmm. Uh, I would say it splits up into a store with a poultry department, a hot foods where we serve like deli sandwiches and like wings and like Popeyes, like Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. And then we have a deli to like get all your meats and stuff. And then we have pretty much every vegetable, a lot of fruits, ice cream, all your dairy, all your cheeses. Um, And then we have like a ton of chips, nuts, all like little snacks you can think of and then we also have a greenhouse with like a bunch of gardening stuff so it's actually like that's extensive like when you think about it like a small farm like you think of like a little stand but it's actually really big like you would never think of like the size of it and then we also own a lot of land we rent a lot of land probably can't remember the exact acreage acreage but it's probably close to like 75 acres of like land that we all we farm pretty much like I'd say seven months of the year. Um, I can pretty much do a lot of things on the farm, but I usually work in the poultry department, so know my way around the chicken. Uh-huh. Uh, growing up, uh, it's like kind of shocking when I tell people this, but like my family used to be pretty much like a poultry style farm, so we like kill chickens mm-hmm. and like sell fresh chickens. Yeah. So that's like kind of like the thing we grow up on, like fresh chicken, is like where you come to Richardson's for. Hmm. So like, I used to like do the process of like killing the chickens and then wow. like feathering them. And like my family used to do that every single week. Did like, that bother you at all? No, no, it still Just... wouldn't to me to this day. Wow. But like, I love it. I mean, it's a different lifestyle and I don't think you would expect it out of me. Yeah. Just like looking at me firsthand and like getting to know me. Cause like, I don't really display the characteristics of, like, somebody that grow, grew up on a farm, but yeah. I love it. I mean, I could see myself doing it in the future, and it's kind of awesome. Like, I love the, what my dad does, and yeah. I look up to him so much. He knows the answers to everything, gives great life advice, and he's so positive. It's unbelievable that you wouldn't believe he works 10 hours a day, Wow, 365 days a year. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So what was probably the worst part? of growing up on a farm because you said you like a lot of it but there has to be something that um either something you had to do and just something about i would say it's actually like time yeah. like my family has time for nothing wow. like we don't go on that many vacations it's mm-hmm. usually like split up so like we never really have like family time i would say i mean we eat dinner together but like that's we don't really all do something yeah. together just because we're so busy and like managing everything is so time consuming so wow. that's probably like the only bad thing I have to do Mm -hmm. I would say the work part of it really isn't that bad Hmm. it's kind of fun but other than that it's good time just takes up a lot of time so what are you majoring in here 
uh, agricultural economics. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So <laughs> what you said you could maybe kind of see yourself doing that in the future. Are you going to take over the, the farm at some point? Or what's the, uh, is I don't there know. any kind of outlook <laughs> on that stuff? I don't know. It's tough to see the future with it just because like times are changing and there's a lot of like stuff going on but i definitely want to like try to stick with it as much as i can Mm -hmm. maybe play out my soccer career till like i can yeah just like i mean i usually i hope to have something like afterwards but uh i definitely want to expand my horizons and maybe if it's somewhere else and then i come back to our farm that could be a possibility just because there's like not that much job openings i mean i could always be like doing a lot of labor on the farm but Let's see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's just definitely like something that when time comes, when when time comes. Yeah. So we'll kind of get into the the part where I just kind of throw random questions okay. at you guys, and the guys seem to have kind of enjoyed this. Yeah. And there's been some banter that's come out of it. So <laughs> um, we'll we'll start with just kind of the easy ones. You can. It's not time. You can give me as many answers. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, favorite movie. Um, Benchwarmers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, who would you say your favorite actor is? Um, or a few. I know some people have like, if if he or she is in this movie, I'm watching it kind of thing. I love Kevin Hart. Yeah. Like as a comedian and as an actor, I would say every single one of his movies are funny. And Will Ferrell. Yeah. Those two, I would. I'm big into comedy, so mm-hmm. like I like just watching like some stand-up stuff and like some who else do you watch in stand-up because i love dave chappelle yeah so funny That's great he is his comedy is a little <laughs> little it, suspect it, it pushes but the edge a little. yes most definitely but he is so funny yeah i mean just some of the stuff he comes up with is ridiculous yeah i love that like eddie murphy's like delirious <laughs> yeah he's that is yeah. like obviously it doesn't exactly hold up yeah but um favorite tv show or maybe something you're watching on um, netflix hulu i would say the office yeah. like i kind of just fall asleep to that almost every single night yeah. just put it on <laughs> that's always a safe one yeah um music do you have like a, a pump up playlist before a game or kind of what do you listen to just off studying um, whatever i wouldn't say really i have like a specific genre mm-hmm. i kind of just listen to whatever yeah i mean i kind of have like country and then a little bit of rap or like a little hip-hop or whatever's like kind of on yeah. i don't really mind like any different style of music Interesting. um so sticking with music what what is or what would be your go-to karaoke song now did you have to do one when you got here yeah okay so what was that um do you remember because most of the guys haven't yet um country roads is oh yeah song that I could not remember the words though. Really? Like the be- not like I mean everybody knows really like chorus, the yeah. chorus, but like it's a lot of pressure. You don't realize, but it's a <laughs> oh, lot sure. of pressure. Because you're new to the program, yeah. like you're the new guy, you're up there in front yeah. of everybody. I can and imagine. like you don't really hear the words, so you actually have to really know it. And wow. like in the moment you just forget. But I like knew the chorus and a little bit of like the other stuff, so like I was alright with it. Were but you not able to have the lyrics? No, you cannot have the lyrics. Somebody you told just, me they did. No. Justin no. or Ben or somebody, I don't remember. Somebody said they were allowed to have yeah. the lyrics, and they were okay. Well, maybe maybe a little bit discrepancy there. Yeah, you might have been cheated. Um, would that still be your go-to? Like, no. No. What would be your go-to? Um, maybe like "Don't Stop Believing," like something a little easier, yeah, and a little longer. And like everybody's but, gonna sing yeah, along to yeah. that. <laughs> something that everybody else gets to get on. Yeah. With. Um, if you were to do a karaoke duet with somebody on the team, who would you pick and why? Um, hmm. 
I've heard Paul Ben's a popular answer. He's a very popular answer. I don't want to go with Paul Ben. A little too mainstream. Um, Sorry, Paul. Huh. I would go maybe Brett, and we would do like a maybe a little rap song. Yeah. Yeah. What? Anything in particular? Or? Nah, I think we could definitely pull off a little rap together. Yeah. Are we but talking like Run DMC or like something now? Nah, or? something like a little flowy, like a little Drake now. Yeah. Yeah. I'd but like if I were to go with like kind of a generic song, I would definitely go Pulpin. Just because okay. his voice. He's got a pretty good voice. Interesting. I think Eric said that Paul thinks he can sing or something or like probably sings the most, which I think I mean, like, I would say like. He's got a good voice for someone who doesn't sing. Like, that, that's fair. But, like, I mean, if we're comparing it to, like, people that really sing, yeah. it's pretty good. Okay. It's just okay. Who's the worst singer on the team, then? Um, Most people don't usually bring it out. So yeah. you kind of have to go with, like, just who you've heard. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, like, kind of Johannes just because, like, the language barrier. Yeah. But Poor Johannes. We'll, need- see, we'll see this year with some of the freshmen because yeah. I feel like there's going to be some new answers later on. Interesting. We'll have to have a follow-up on all this. Um, so we've covered the music. Um, if you, this might be a little different for you because the whole farm thing. If you could have one meal for, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, that is tough. Um, well, with my family, we eat chicken almost every single night. Well, that's what I was saying. But like, <laughs> yeah. is that so? Do you enjoy uh, that? Do you get tired of that? Um, a little bit of half and half. Yeah, it depends, it depends on, on how it's cooked. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say. Um. I would say mashed potatoes with gravy and stuffing Mm -hmm. with either, like, beef or chicken. It doesn't matter which one. Or turkey. But mashed potatoes and gravy. Has to be in there somewhere. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, What is the best goal you've ever scored in your life? Yeah, Um, I know you played in the back a little bit, so it doesn't always happen as much. But at, like... U13, U14, mm-hmm. it was like a corner kick, and I was standing on the top of the box, and so I headed it out, and I hit a left-footed volley, like, top corner. And really? I, like, that's, like, the only goal I really remember to, like, this day. That's great. And I actually couldn't believe I hit it because it was opposite-footed, <laughs> like, coming across my body. Yeah. But it was awesome. But the game really didn't mean anything, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> but you, I was you still have the memory, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, we did that. So who has the best hair on the team? I had Eli on last week. He said himself. <laughs> and then he said, I think Johannes is maybe a second. Oh, that's a tough But one. it's up to you. And again, you can say yourself if you feel so. No, definitely not me. I really don't care about my hair. <laughs> um, Will puts a lot into his hair mm-hmm. with the haircuts. I would say he's up there just based on what he does with his hair. Yeah. And then I would say Padilla. Padilla's yeah. got a good... Good style. I love Padilla's style of hair. So I don't know if I've asked anybody this yet. Weigh in on Will's fashion sense. I love it. Yeah. Like it's so different. It's different every time like we see him in a like where we have to get dressed up, like yeah. the national championship last year. It's like the was it the Burgundy? Yeah. Like, I loved it. Like it's such his style <laughs> and the way he carries himself. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And the flashiness, oh, <laughs> it just fits him so well. Um so who would probably who has maybe like the messiest apartment, messiest locker, car, oh, messiest um, life? Last year actually, Vinny. Yeah. Vinny was really bad, and then I would say Craig. 
So Craig, Craig, yeah. literally the answer every <laughs> single time. Yeah, I mean we we also don't like see like that many people's like that's the thing yeah rooms and stuff yeah. but like out of the people you've seen yeah 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 um who's maybe the most likely to oversleep and miss something or show up late justin um gillen okay. yes i have um, to specify now yeah <laughs> justin gillen craig again a very popular answer um that's the two that really only ring my mind. But I think yeah. I've woken Justin up plenty of times <laughs> to get out of the house, especially last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, so, we? I was talking to you, snowboard. Yes. So that's a big thing for you. Just kind of wh- how did that start? Where do you go? When do you find time to do that? So my family, when we were younger, we used to always go to Deep Creek. Mm. And when I was like, probably seven I started to like get a little feel for the snowboard and my parents just kind of like threw me out there <laughs> I mean there was no really lessons yeah, or like teaching they're like just keep falling once you'll get it you'll get it <laughs> and then like I kind of grew older into it I actually broke my wrist doing it so I was about to quit right there but <laughs> how old were you when you broke your wrist uh I think I was 10 or 11 hmm. and I broke it and then after that like I kind of just started like advancing more and more and I started loving it. And my family actually bought a house in Deep Creek. So I go there like, almost every single winter and go out. That's awesome. But uh, right now um, I'm trying to expand my horizons into like bigger mountains with like glorious views yeah. and where you can just go out all day and you'll never do the same trail. That's awesome. But uh, I'm kind of just like a casual boarder. Like I just go down the mountain and like, a nice fashion, a not time. really trying to pass people, just <laughs> looking around, seeing people watching, of course, yeah. watching other people fall. <laughs> um, and then I like, I like also like the environment of like a ski town. Like I went to Killington this past mm-hmm. year and it was such a ski town. There was like a foot of snow while we were there <laughs> and everybody was like just casually driving on the roads. <laughs> they were like, didn't phase them. Yeah. They're just having like a cup of coffee. Like while I was, two feet of snow on the ground but it was awesome i mean those people are they definitely have like good vibes and they had the right like mentality to like not really it's comp there's no competition of getting down the mountain it's just get down the mountain and have fun yeah and so when we were walking into this interview eric matzlevich always likes to ask me who's on the podcast and mm-hmm. like always tries to give me things to, to talk <laughs> yeah. about so he said to ask about uh your baseball I think that's exactly how he phrased it. I didn't know how to take it. So what does Eric mean by that? And So when I was growing up, I was actually better at baseball for most of my life. Really? I was a pretty good shortstop. I had a good arm. I could hit. I could pretty much do everything. And then, like, at 13, when everybody started to grow, I didn't really grow. <laughs> so I was kind of, like, always that little shortstop, kind of, like, getting to every ball and, like, hitting just singles, singles, singles. Yeah. And... Then high school, I kind of, like, turned into a pitcher throughout, like, most of my high school career. And I say I play – I played in a pretty competitive league, the MIA. I mean, I played against Maxwell, like, all really? the time. Yeah. That's crazy. I played Maxwell in the championship. A little humble brag. We beat him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so, like, growing up, I loved baseball. I still love it to this day. I watch, I've been watching the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Are you a Nose fan? Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, I know. But uh, rooting for the Nationals right now. Of course. But growing up, yeah, I loved baseball. My dad loves baseball. He loves watching me. He's sad that I don't play here. But uh, it's definitely something, like, 
if I stuck with it a lot, I think I could be like a pretty good ball player. But uh, throughout high school, I mean, it just started like declining for me. Like I realized that I didn't have the size. I didn't have like the pitching arm yeah. of like a high school division, yeah. like one athlete. So, I mean, I throw in like the low 80s, but it's not bad. I'm for my size, it's not bad. Yeah, but I had a good good slider, good curveball. Everything was pretty good, but <laughs> just didn't realize like there's no next level. <laughs> yeah. Have but, you have you ever done anything with the baseball team? BP or just no? Nah, I was just no. I mean, I stopped playing. Stopped playing in like the summer of my like sophomore year of high okay, school. Okay, so, so it's like, been a little while. Yeah. So like I just played throughout my high school. Just yeah. put on my high school team all of uh, the four years, mm -hmm. and then stopped right after that. But. I don't know if I could throw a ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, because I was talking to Justin. Like Justin said, that kind of the same thing. Like he was probably a better basketball player yeah. up until, and so I was gonna see if he would one v one like sticks or somebody. I think that'd just be funny. Yeah. To watch. But Justin good. actually is crazy. Well, good yeah, I, I've heard he's like yeah. amazing. I actually like kind of want to see it, but yeah. I just I don't know how. So we <laughs> yeah. need to figure that out. Um, so back to kind of the 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 banter on the team. So video games and just kind of games in general have been a big talking point. There's yeah. apparently a poker competition. Mm -hmm. Are you involved in that I'm at all? I'm not involved okay. in that. Okay. So some people are some aren't. Um so the video games is what people have really gotten heated about. Yeah. Um we'll start with FIFA cuz that there there's another one that starts mm -hmm. with an F that we'll get to cuz everybody gets really yeah. excited about that. <laughs> um so FIFA uh who is the best who is the worst and are you any good i actually am pretty good at this new okay. fifa i've the been playing i'm starting to get back into it xbox or playstation xbox okay, cool. so building up my ultimate team right now uh -huh. that's of course a big frustration <laughs> but uh i would say the best players are probably padilla and craig okay most definitely me and craig had some back and back action in the preseason yeah so i would say i'm like up there in like at least top five okay but uh, the worst, I haven't really seen that many people play FIFA. Mm -hmm. I feel like people kind of hide with it. Well, yeah, because uh, if you suck, <laughs> you're not going to play because yeah. you don't want to get yeah. exposed. But I don't think there's, like, there's not, like, anybody that's really terrible. Yeah, but they're like, how do I shoot? How do I pass? Yeah, like, yeah. I, okay. Like, everybody understands the basis. So I wouldn't say there's, like, a soul not that good of a player. Gotcha. Um, so then the other one. Fortnite is what this I mean Eric was the first one I had on the podcast <laughs> uh, it's the probably the most excited I've seen him besides yeah. scoring that goal <laughs> um so he gave me his best worst and he said he's awful oh yeah he, he's I, I, I've kind of cross-checked my sources on that everybody says he's awful, yeah. but he just got an Xbox so yeah, apparently yeah. he's practicing um who's kind of the best and worst in that and are you any good so I'll start off with me. Mm -hmm. I am not that good. Okay. Like I can, I'm like a semi below average player. Gotcha. Like I can do all the basics, yeah. but I'm not going to go out there and get like five kills. Yeah. I'm just out there to like have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care. But uh, the most competitive people, Justin, DeRosa's, and Mike. Okay. So I would say depending on the day, it kind of varies who's the best. Hmm. So who's on their game, who's not, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the DeRosas are pretty good. They definitely carry their that's, weight. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely play the most, though. Okay. So oh, uh, I heard Omar played a lot last Omar year. Omar is insane. He's okay. very, very good. Yeah. So and I still think to this day he plays almost every single day. Really? I still see him on Xbox <laughs> almost every time I get on. 
But definitely, I would say the DeRozas have some leeway at the top. Gotcha. They're definitely probably the best just because how much they play. So is there any other kind of competitions or like just like banter kind of stuff that you guys give each other crap about um, that um, we that we may not that, – that we're allowed to talk about on air um, that maybe just kind of rubbing on the guys? Uh, I would say like TV shows. Yeah? So like I don't really watch it, but like Love Island – I don't know I've if you've ever heard that. of that. I've heard of it. I don't know. Yeah. I've, so, like, <laughs> Russell is actually, like, he knows everything about it. Wow. But he's convinced, like, it's starting to spread throughout the team <laughs> of people who start watching it. Yeah. And, like, they love it. Wow. Like, they talk about it, I would say, at least once a week. Wow. And Do they, like, is it a weekly kind of thing? Do they, yeah. like, get together? Oh, it's it's starting back up right now. So, oh, they're starting wow. to get <laughs> And Eric actually just got into it. So, if you oh see God. him ask him about it because i think he's really into it it's called his appeal (laughs) that that's very interesting i would not have pinned him as one okay now actually i can see it yeah i can definitely the drama it's all about the drama wow they love it that's okay that's that that, (laughs) we'll add that to the list um so we've kind of uh one thing i think justin brought this up there's something because full is getting more playing time now Mm -hmm. he's actually kind of contributing off the bench I think Justin told me there's something about saying full is overrated. Have you heard? Oh, yeah. What do you know anything yeah. about that? In the preseason, Craig would tell Fola he's overrated <laughs> all the time. Like every time he scored, maybe yeah. in FIFA, he'd just be like, "Fola, you're so overrated." <laughs> and Fola would just sit there and not respond. Yeah. But Craig loves saying it to him, and Russell's like got onto it. So like it's kind of become a thing, like telling Fola he's overrated, even That's though funny. like. He's just kind of average FIFA player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, but it's it's a little joke that they all love to say. That's funny. I because he brought that up and I was kind of confused. I was like, I mean, Fole is a very nice guy, but like he hasn't like played up until this season. <laughs> I was like, where does the overrated come from? Um, what is a f- just a few more? What is probably the most interesting class you've taken here? Because I'm I'm sure maybe with the agricultural stuff, but Eric said like his was like some terrorism class. It's like oh, way out of. Um, I wouldn't say I really had an interest, like a su- actually a fraud class. I took a fraud class last semester. Oh, fraud! Was, I thought you said yeah. frog. Like that. <laughs> no, I, was no. like, I, was, I took a fraud class last semester for economics, and it was actually super interesting. My teacher, hmm. oh, he was like a high class lawyer right now. I can't remember his name anymore, but like he actually left midway through the year really? to go deal with a case that he was like super involved in. Oh my god! Yeah, that's crazy. And he he was like involved with the Bernie Madoff case and like he kind of took him down like it wow. was crazy like it wasn't really that much of teaching it was just more listening to his stories because yeah. they were insane that's wild but I would definitely say that's my most crazy class that huh. I didn't really learn that much but watching and listening to this guy's stories were crazy I'm sure it's fascinating yeah um so is there anything else that we should know about any of the guys going forward either um stuff to like the more of the banter stuff, the like, cause we love Island will be on the list now. Um, um, I don't really have anything else. I think it's going to come up though. Like there's going to be more stuff out. coming. It'll up, absolutely come but out. But the love Island thing, most definitely like, okay, it's going to become bigger and bigger. <laughs> you know, I have to look into like what that actually like, <laughs> yeah. is so I can understand it. Um, so last question, because you guys are about to head out to Michigan state. Um, and then you guys come back to Georgetown on Fox Sports 1. Pretty mm-hmm. big deal. Um, but you can also listen to the game here on WMC Sports Radio. I'm, like, I'm 
supposed to plug that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you guys starting to click a little bit, got some some positive results. What do you kind of see as being like the the challenges going on to the road and then coming back against pretty strong Georgetown and then not to look too far ahead, but Indiana? Um, it's going to be very important to have a good performance on Friday. Um, I think it's going to be very important to get a lead early and maybe even get as many as, as three goals just so we're not having such a rough game in a tough environment with a tough field. It's going to be most likely cold and wet. Um, we're a little bit short on numbers, mm -hmm. so it's going to be important that we're not expressing a full 90 minutes of back-to-back -back and yeah. back and forth down and up the field. And don't push it to overtime Yeah, again. so <laughs> I hope that we can get a very good result on Friday. It's going to be... It's going to have to be a very good team performance. We're going to need contributions from the bench. We're going to need contributions from the starters to step up in new roles. Um, as like the theme has been the past few weeks, we're going to need new people to score goals. We're going to need our goal scorers to score goals. We're going to need everybody to kind of do their role. And then next week we have a huge challenge yeah. <laughs> with two probably – top five teams in the country maybe not ranked right now but mm -hmm. definitely respective in top five so it's gonna be a big week um, it's gonna be have to be good trainings recovery is going to be important with such a short friday to monday window and traveling back is terrible <laughs> that this kind of timing has happened but it's definitely going to be a lot of focus a huge physical battle and i think we're prepared and i hope we get some results to maybe in our favor so hopefully next saturday we'll all be smiling and mm -hmm. it should really help our ranking in our season if we get three really good results though great well nick thank you so much for your time i uh, yeah. really appreciate you you taking the time to sit down and talk for a little mm, bit had a blast awesome. thank you very Thanks. much you're listening to the ludwig lowdown with brendan hartlove and tom hindle so once again, I'd like to thank Nick Richardson for taking the time, quite a bit of time as well, to sit down with me and kind of just talk through everything from last season up until today. So uh, we'll now kind of transition into our preview of the games coming up against Michigan State tonight, Friday night, uh, and then Monday night against Georgetown. Now, quick little injury update for you. Nah, not too much of an update. You obviously know Paul Ben is out for the season. He's yeah. still back home in Korea. Um, and we miss you, Paul. We do miss you, Paul. I think he's coming back uh, maybe November or something. Yeah. Um, I have to ask him. But then uh, Brian Padilla, as we said, also out with that uh, eight torn ACL as well. Um, and then uh, so William James Hervey, who was injured in the first game of the season, came back against Northwestern, only made it eight minutes that time. Kind of re-aggravated his injury, a leg muscle injury, and is out again. So he's still a few weeks away, we think, but he has started running in practice. And so things are, yeah, good good signs uh, for Will and the Terps. So there's your injury update before we go into uh, the preview here. So we'll start with the Michigan State Spartans. They are a they're the other they're one of the other teams that made the final four last year in the college cup they were the ones that played against akron uh and lost to akron uh obviously that set up maryland's national championship game but they had a very strong season last year and then this year haven't quite lived up to that now it has been a pretty rough season they're two six and two overall but 2-1-0 in Big Ten play. So they're starting to kind of get the rhythm a little bit. Talking to Sasha Srovsky, he mentioned that they've had some injuries, uh, but they're starting to get some guys back as well. 
Um, so kind of just to run through the Big Ten games that they've played so far, they beat Rutgers away 3 nothing. A, a, de- a decent good result. result. Um, a good result. On, on the road. And then they did lose to Penn State 3 nothing at home, which Penn State is a very solid team, but losing 3 nothing at home isn't exactly any too many positives to take away from that. But then they beat Wisconsin on the road 2-1 to one in overtime. Now, Maryland obviously had that scoreless draw, went all 110 minutes in uh, that. So they're a very mixed bag so far in the season for Michigan State and just kind of two guys uh, that are kind of the danger men, but you can't really say danger men because they haven't been able to score a ton yeah. and they don't have anybody that really stands out. So um, Michael Miller is one guy who has two goals and Alex Schutterenberg uh, has two goals, one assist. But those those are kind of the leading guys for Michigan State. And so when you kind of look at it, it's not a team that's going to be able to put a lot up on you. Um, and they have conceded quite a bit. So you have to think on paper, Maryland should go into East Lansing. And if they get on the board first, they're going to come away with a result. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so from Maryland's point of view. But then again, coming to East Lansing is one of the more difficult things you can that's do true. as a team. It's not a particularly good pitch. It is kind of a, a this strangely hostile environment. I remember watching that game last year where you had the Eric Matalevich winner, and there was there was a sense of joy from Maryland, but almost a sense of relief as well, because it's a really hard place to get three points from. But this year, it doesn't necessarily look like that same kind of fortress that it was. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to see. Maybe Michigan State comes out just really, really wanting it, and it makes it a bit difficult. But Maryland gets the first goal, you're not going to be too worried about that matchup. And it would be good to try and rack up another win in Big Ten play. And so uh, WMUC will not have that call. I'm not flying out to, to East Lansing. I have some other mm. obligations. Oh, uh, my gosh. No, mm. uh, that's that's not not a trip that uh, we're going to make, obviously. Funding isn't good enough. Not quite. Santa Barbara did a, did a number on the budget. But, <laughs> um, so, but one game we will have for WMC Sports and I will be on the call with Joe Malfa will be the game against number 12 Georgetown Monday night now this is one of those games that was supposed to be an away game for Maryland but it was moved to College Park because Georgetown does not have lights in their stadium and I don't always like it seems kind of counterintuitive to talk about another broadcast but this game is gonna be on Fox Sports 1 and so they moved it to College Park but you can of course listen here on WMUC Sports there we Radio. go plug plug <laughs> um, so backtrack a little bit but anyways um, so the game is now gonna be played here at Ludwig and as we said it will be Sasha's birthday but he's not gonna be worried about his birthday festivities at all the biggest gift he could get would be uh, a win for Maryland and so Georgetown comes into this game having a pretty strong season out their competition yeah their competition hasn't been astounding but it's been solid enough to keep them they were the number two team in the nation last week i believe and then they fell a little bit here uh recently but they're eight one and one two oh and one in the big east and kind of the result that stands out the most now granted it's a little over a month ago now but it was a 5-1 win for georgetown at UCLA yeah. back in early September. So um, they've done a very good job. It's kind of – it's going to be two very different games for Maryland Friday night um, or tonight in East Lansing, a very kind of hostile environment against a team that doesn't score a ton. And 
doesn't do a great job of keeping the ball out of the back of the net. But then Monday night, you come home and you're playing in a very comfortable environment for you. That's a pretty local rivalry where against a team that does score a lot of goals but doesn't concede. Well, that's why a result against Michigan State is also so important yes. because you need to come in with a bit of momentum for this uh, for this crosstown rivalry, really. Yeah, yeah, and so I think you're going to see. Uh, probably I mean it's a Monday night it always gets a little sticky with the tenants on Monday nights but I think you're gonna have a lot of people coming up from Georgetown too. just a quick drive up the road so especially because they were they were wanting this to be a home game and now that kind of taken away but you can still get there in a relatively short amount of time anyways 23 goals scored for Georgetown this season only five conceded Jacob Montez leads the scoring with five goals and Derek Dodson um, kind of more all-around three goals five assists on the season so it is going to be a pretty important test for Maryland, especially kind of their second-to-last non-conference game of the season. I think it's uh, it reminds me a lot of this Fullerton game, to mm-hmm. be honest, because you're facing, obviously, a team that's uh, riding high, really a lot of momentum coming into the game, but then again hasn't had the strongest schedule. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Georgetown has necessarily been tested. And I'm not saying that Maryland is that team that will absolutely just like put them through their paces because we've seen Maryland kind of be a bit streaky at times. Mm -hmm. But should the Terps come into this game with momentum, then I think it could be a really, really interesting matchup because you've got a great defensive team in Georgetown in in periods, Mm -hmm. a great defensive team in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And then it will come down to two kind of two attacks that one of them in Maryland putting it together and then another that's just been on fire yeah and so i think that kind of is the the previews that we'll do for those two games now like we said it, we, i had a pretty long chat with nick richardson so we're not going to do too much here and, and we normally do the pro turp section um we're not going to really do one this week because a international break um but then next week we're going to come back for the mls playoffs and talk about all the turps that will be going in on on the postseason um, as well, because there's quite a few of them. Kind of the only pro Terps update I'll give you is that I know Zach Steffen is in town with the U.S. national team. They will be playing tonight at Audi Field against Cuba in the Nations League. Uh, Zach has not been training, to my to my knowledge. I think he's been held out, but I think I saw that Greg Berhalter said he's, quote, fine or something. I'm not quite sure how to take that. I wouldn't expect to see him, but I wouldn't completely rule it out as well. Well, it's funny because I do know an American goalie who attends a local university who could be ready to step in. Brendan Hartlove, everyone. Oh, goodness, no. Getting the big start against Cuba. Yeah, well, I mean, I, that'll we'll have to see because I have that intramural all-star game on Sunday that I was nominated <laughs> for. I, I didn't see your name on the list, Tom, so oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my Lord. Um, anyways, that will do it for episode number seven of the Ludwig Lowdown. We've done quite a few of these now and we just want to thank everybody that has been listening along the way because this has been as i'm sure you can tell a lot of a lot of fun for us and still uh, a lot more to come so now this will do it for episode seven tom thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me on and so as i said we'll be back uh next week and we'll be previewing indiana but a couple games for the terps this weekend first And that will do it for episode seven of the Ludwig Lowdown. This has been our Maryland men's soccer podcast on WMUC Sports Radio. Your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hindle. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!